to 1 Peter, 1 Peter and chapter number 5, a familiar text this morning, 1 Peter and chapter number 5. One more announcement while you're turning. Uh, this year we are giving Christmas stockings to our bus riders. If you would like to be a part of making their Christmas more special, you may bring stocking stuffers to the church office. Please bring them by Saturday, December 17th, or, and see Mr. Bushy with any questions that you may have. All right? So that will be something special for our bus children, and uh, you may want to participate in that. First Peter in chapter number 5, familiar verses to you verse number 8 and verse number 9. And if you would stand with me, please, uh, out of respect for the Word of God. Reading these two. By the way, let me say congratulations. Miss Brianna Scott is taking her final examination for nursing on tomorrow. Pray for her, if you would, please. And then she'll graduate with a nursing degree on Saturday as she passes on Monday. And uh, no, she's going to pass. How many of you pray for Brianna? Will you do that? All right, good, wonderful. Our text, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. Uh, if you would, uh, excuse me, verses uh, 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 8 and 9. Verses 8 and 9. And read these verses aloud with me, please. Ready? Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Verse 8 especially is familiar to most of us. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil. We have a real enemy, do we not? We have a real enemy, and the devil himself is as a roaring lion who walketh about seeking whom he may devour. I want to speak to you on a message been on my heart for, I guess, oh, a good night, over a year or so now. And I come and look at it and add a little to it and, and um, settled on it this morning as the message for today. Sorted stories in the Bible. Sorted stories in the Bible is the title of the message. Father, please, will you teach us and grow us this morning through your Holy Spirit, Will you help us to see, Lord, the world in which we live and how we as God's people ought to walk in such a world? Thank you, Lord, for the promises that you're coming very soon, that our citizenship is in another country far beyond this world. Thank God for that. The Lord, while we're here, the prince of the power of the air, the old arch enemy of heaven himself, the devil, like a roaring lion, would love to devour. Help us to learn how to walk in such a, a treacherous place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. Um, I was reading and studying through the, uh, in the book of Genesis, uh, well over a year ago now, I guess, and, and I was uh, stricken by just some of the awful stories that God records in the Bible. God tells some sorted stories in the Bible. He tells them uh, tactfully and tastefully, but they are very frank and uh, very sad. And they speak of a, of a world that is broken by sin. May I say, what the wise man said in Ecclesiastes, there's no new thing under the sun. And so uh, the, the, the things that are wicked today that so uh, that turn our stomachs 
when we uh, catch this new story or that story or hear about some evil in this world. Let me remind you, there's no new thing under the sun. And God already destroyed this entire planet through a worldwide flood one time. He promised He wouldn't do it with water, but uh, this earth is going to burn, Peter said, with a fervent heat. And God's going to make a new heaven and a new earth one day. And I can promise you this, don't ever... Listen, God is still as angry with sin as He's ever been. Don't ever mistake the mercy of God as His uh, um, uh, apathy. God's not apathetic. God is angry with the wicked every day, the Bible says. But He's also merciful. And, um, and so uh, we're living in a, in a, in a, wor- a wicked world. And vile, disgusting, sordid things happen around us in this wicked world every day. Some of those stories are recorded throughout the Bible. In Genesis chapter 9, for example... The Bible tells us, And Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done unto him. And he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, shall he be unto his brethren. Noah, the man of righteousness, Noah, the man who found grace, a preacher of righteousness, man, the man who found grace in the eyes of God. He fell and he fell hard. He planted a vineyard and he uh, became drunken uh, with, uh, with, uh, with wine. And the Bible said that when he woke, he realized uh, he, he, was, uh, he was immodest in that tent. And when he woke up, he realized something had happened. And um, uh, can I tell you something? If you want control of your faculties, then you ought not drink. I say you ought not drink. You want control of your faculties. You want to make good decisions. You want to walk straight, talk straight, think straight. Don't touch the booze. Amen? It's not a message about that, but Noah's fit, Noah had this sordid, whatever, the Bible doesn't, doesn't give specifics, but it was bad, whatever it was, because it resulted in a curse on his son and all of his descendants. Him, his son, and all of his descendants were cursed by God because of what happened in that tent. In chapter 19, two angels come to visit Lot down in Sodom. And when they came, they came to Lot's home, the wicked men of that city surrounded the home, began to beat on the door and scream in their under their demonic influence and clamor for those men. They were angelic beings, unbeknownst to the men. But those wicked, perverted men were ready to beat the door down to satisfy their ungodly, vile, twisted lusts. Angels stepped out the doorstep and blinded them all. The angels then said, Lot, you better get out of here. Lot said, well, let me talk to my family. Let me, let me talk to my, I got two married daughters. Let me talk to them. He tried to talk to them, tried to talk to their husbands. They laughed at him, mocked him. And he kept delaying. And the, and the angels said, you better get out of here. God's getting ready to judge this place. You get out of here. Finally, those angels literally grabbed Lot, grabbed his wife, grabbed his two unmarried daughters that were still home, grabbed them all by the hand, and literally began to say, dragged them out of the city to get them out of there. 
On the way out of the city, his wife turned back uh, to look and see, and longingly, no doubt, oh, I hate to lose my, my beloved Sodom. And the Bible says God turned her into a pillar of salt. It was an act of mercy, an act of mercy to get her out of there. And she didn't want to go. And God turned her into a pillar of salt. And God rained down fire and brimstone. Are you listening? God rained down fire and brimstone on that city. Sodom city, Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah. And uh, on the way out of the city, Lot said, Lord, be all right. Don't, don't destroy this little place called Zohar. Let's go over there and find a reprieve. God said, okay, you can go. It's one of the most sordid stories in the Bible where Lot's daughters... Uh, did not uh, uh, say, well, we have no prospects now. We'll, we'll never have children. Got their dad drunk and through, through incest, two illegitimate boys were born. Moab and Benami, the father of the Ammonite race, two arch Moabites and Ammonites, two arch enemies of God. I can't think of a more sordid, wicked, vile, disgusting story ever told. You get to Genesis chapter 19. Excuse me, that's uh, Genesis 19, 11 and Genesis 19, 30 to 38. You get to Genesis 34. Jacob had all sunset for one daughter. Her name was Dinah. The Bible said in Genesis 34 that she went out to see the daughters of the land. They stopped at a place called Shechem. It's such a sad thing because God had gotten a hold of Jacob's heart and he was on his way back. He was on his way back. He erected an altar, the last verse of chapter 33. He was on his way back to Bethel, but he stopped 30 miles short and stayed there for probably 10 years. And Dinah was growing up there, and they were just down the road from the world. And the Bible says she went out to see the daughters of the land. She just got curious. She went out to see the daughters of the land. And while she was there, the Bible said that uh, the, the prince of the country, his dad was the leader, and this was the prince. His son saw her. So while she's looking at the world, somebody in the world saw her. Listen carefully, listen carefully. You don't need to so I'm even born again. You saved you on the way to heaven. Say amen. amen. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Amen. Why are you flipping through seeing what the world's doing? Who cares what the world's doing? We're God's people. Amen. We're God's people. You say, well, I'm not looking at the world. Let me tell you something. In a literal sense, if you're looking at the world, the world's looking at you. I'm talking about in a literal technological sense. <laughs> what you're looking at is looking at you and will follow you. Literally. All right. I don't know if you understand that. But anyway. Dinah went out to sea and someone saw her while she was there. And the Bible said that he saw her, he took her, he lay with her, and he defiled her. She wasn't bargaining for all that, but that's what she got. They fancied that they loved each other. And that prince said, let me marry your daughter. The dads talked together. And, um, and uh, an agreement was made. Well, you have to convert to our religion. That meant the rite of circumcision. And uh, in that compromised situation, after that procedure, all the men, her two brothers went in and slaughtered them, every one of them. I'm talking about wholesale slaughter. In Judges chapter 19, the Levite is traveling. And uh, his, his, uh, one of his, his concubine. God's not for any of this. Just because in the Bible doesn't make it right. Understand, folks. But it is what it is. God tells the, the truth, the whole truth. And this man had a, had a concubine and, and a, a wife, if you will. And, um, and uh, she left and she cheated on him and she took off and she went back to dad's house. He went after her. 
And uh, when, he, when he got there, he communed with his father-in-law, and uh, and uh, they, they, he and his wife got back together, so to speak. And, and his father-in-law said, "Stay here." I said, "Let me show you some uh, hospitality." And he stayed. And he, he, he said, "I got to go." And he said, "No, stay again." Several times he convinced him to stay longer than he should have. And finally, throughout one day, he's being entertained by his father-in-law. He said, man, i got to get back home. He said, i got to get back home. He said, no, don't go now. It's late in the day. He said, no, I've got to leave. I've already stayed a couple days longer than I was planning to. And so he left, but he wouldn't be able to get home until after dark. And so he had to stop along the way. He stopped this little place, and an old man was coming in from the field. And he said, sir, what are you doing here? This is not a safe place. Maybe you don't know this place. This is not safe for you to be. And this elderly man said to him, he said, look, this is a Levite. It's one of God's servants. He said, come come to my house. You can stay with me tonight. Well, the wicked men of that city, just like in Sodom and Gomorrah, the wicked men of that city found out there's a stranger in town, and they surrounded the house of that elderly man who showed kindness to the Levite, and they demanded that man to be, to be sent out the door uh, where they could satisfy their wicked, vile, twisted lusts. And he said, no, I can't do that. I'll show you how sordid it was. This is one of God's services, but you can have my concubine. And they literally defiled her all through the night, and she died as a result of it. The next morning, when he opened the door, she was dead on the steps of the house. He took her body, he chopped it in 12 pieces, and sent a piece to every one of the tribes that was, uh, that was declaring war and calling them to come to battle. And the entire nation came together against the Benjamites in a civil conflict. To, to, to try to rectify the horrific treatment of this Levite's wife or concubine. Now, there's so much wrong with that story. I'm not even going to try to draw lessons from it. I'm just simply saying this is a wicked, sordid, de- defiled, disgusting, sin-sick, broken world in which we live. And if we're born again, we don't, we're not of this world. We're in this world, the Bible says, but we're not of this world. Amen? And we as God's people, listen, we as God's people ought to live for Jesus Christ as a light in this world. And and we're to be salt, the Bible says. We're to be light in this world. But yet we live in this world. My message to you this morning is this. How then do we navigate such a sordid, sin-sick world? How do we do it? September the 20th, 2022, just, just a couple months ago, the article, the headline of the article, let's see, I wrote it down over here in Genesis. It was this. This is uh, September 3rd, 2022, Epic Times. Texas church introduces children to drag bingo and a transparent closet. First Christian church is the name of the church. Pastor by two women, no doubt lesbians. That's the title. They had a, they had a day, a sponsored day. Uh, you, it wasn't open to the public. You had to you had to get a pass. You had to get a parking pass. You had to go in, but but a couple folks went in in disguise. One one man went in dressed in drag. Went in and videoed. Little children without their parents. Little children were in there, basically being groomed. In the in the so-called transgender audition, all that filth. Listen, let me tell you something. Sodom is not new. Sodom and Gomorrah, that lifestyle, that wicked... And by the way, God hates it just as much as ever He did. It don't matter. Listen, it doesn't matter what uh, uh, a court of man says. It doesn't matter what the laws are written. Listen, God Almighty is the one we stand before one day. When you die, you're not going to stand in front of the Supreme Court. You're going to stand in front of God Himself. 
We are living in a, in a vile and a wicked world. So what do we do? You say, Pastor, good night. What do we do? Well, number one, we walk soberly. That's what our text says. Be sober. Be vigilant. Your Webster's 1828 dictionary says of sober, it means temperate, self-control. It means, it means, listen to this, <laughs> cold, dispassionate reason. Cold, dispassionate reason. What is he saying? And when he says be sober, he says, don't panic. Ah! No. You're a Christian. Be sober-minded. It means uh, be calm, be serious-minded. Folks, let me tell you something. You, you need to... The world is serious about their sin. <laughs> and we as God's people need to be serious about it. We're living in a sin-sick world and we ought to walk soberly and cautiously. Yes, the world is after us. Yes, the world is after our children's minds and hearts. We, the Bible says, should walk soberly. First Thessalonians 5, 6 says, Let us not sleep, but let us watch and be sober. First uh, Timothy 3, verse 2 says, The bishop and his wife should be sober. First Timothy 3, 11 says, The deacon and his wife should be sober. Titus chapter 2 says, The aged, uh, verse 2, aged men should be sober. Titus chapter 2, verse 4 says, The older women should teach the younger women to be sober. Titus chapter 2, verse number 6 says, The young men should be sober. In other words, all God's people ought to be sober. Sober. Every one of us. We ought to walk with a serious mind. Listen, don't play with sin. Don't play. Sin's not a, a toy. Don't fool with it. Don't play with it. Don't see how close you can get to it. No, sir. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because you have a real adversary, the devil, who walketh about seeking whom he may devour. We cannot emphasize too much the need to walk in personal holiness. First Peter chapter 1, verse number 16. Be ye holy, for I am holy. You and I as child of God are called to set ourselves apart unto the Lord Jesus Christ. To walk uh, worthy of our calling. Listen, we as, uh, as God's people, uh, uh, the, 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 the local church will, which will one day be a universal church. One day we all will be gathered together in one place at the marriage supper of the Lamb. But uh, the, uh, the, the church is the bride of Jesus Christ and, and we we ought to be completely set apart unto Him, and to Him alone love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Walk in holiness. Walk soberly. Hey, pay attention. There's a real enemy. It's a wicked, sin-sick world in which we live. So walk soberly. But then, Romans six nineteen says, I would have you to be simple concerning that which is evil, and wise concerning that which is wise. Why is concerning that which is good? Number one, walk soberly. But number two, walk simply. Walk simply. Listen, um, it's a little bit crude, but how many of you, if someone gets sick, nauseated, how many of you have a tendency to get nauseated yourself if you're around it, see it, smell it, or whatever? Okay, all right. Now, you know, there seems like there's always that kid at school who, when someone got sick, you know, most, most everybody run, right? There's that one kid that goes, Oh, look, SpaghettiOs. You know, it's like, I'm sorry, I told you it's a little crude. So when the Bible says walk simply, that's what he's talking about. Look, I don't need to know those sordid details. I, that's not healthy. 
I don't need to know all that, all that about the world. Listen, the less you know about the world, the better off you are. Amen? The, listen, whoever loves the world is the enemy of God. The world system, the system of this world, the system of this world that is in rebellion uh, will not submit to the authority of God and His precious word. This world has declared itself an enemy of God. Enough said. Enough said. Let's champion righteousness. Let's bathe our minds and hearts in the teaching and preaching and reading and studying of God's Word. Let's champion innocence. Uh, uh, circumspect is better than street smart. Now some of you came out of the world. Some of you, God saved you like the Apostle Paul and you got some street smarts. Uh, 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 and, 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 uh, but let me tell you something. Uh, let, let's, let's champion innocence. Let's champion old-fashioned biblical separation from the world. What concord hath Christ with Belial, what fellowship hath light with darkness? Come out from among them and be a separate, the Bible still says. Does that mean that we ought to walk around naively? No, I'm not saying that. I, I think parents ought to discuss with their kids the dangers of this world. And just like the Bible handles delicate things in a, in a tactful way, I think parents need to prepare their children for the world in which we live. Uh, I, I, I think learning some self-defense things are, are healthy. I think learning, uh, teaching children, as we talked about on Wednesday night recently, uh, what they need to do if, uh, if they ever find themselves in a compromising position, what do they do? They scream their head off. That's what they do. They yell and tell right away uh, uh, something, anything like that. I, I understand that. But what I'm saying is this. That what we don't need to do is go rummaging through the world's garbage. Resist the temptation to sift through the world's garbage. It's something about human nature. That's why we. That's why we almost run off the road when there's a wreck on the other side of the road. Oh, what? What is it? Oh, that's just awful. Oh, it's, it's human nature. I like to uh, go over here to Franklinville, uh, and sometimes I, I'm at the school or something like that. Uh, I'll go over and walk the Franklinville Rail Trail. I don't know if you've ever been over there. But, it's, but to get on the rail trail, you have to walk by the uh, the uh, sewage processing pond. And it's right, how many of you have been on that rail trail? You know, okay. you got to walk right by. And so you say, when I get to that part, I walk fast. Amen. <laughs> get on by. Yeah, I, I know it's there. But I don't linger there. Amen? When I walk the rail trail, 90% of it is as beautiful as it could be. When I, when I don't linger, I don't go up there and go up the stairs and look in the green pond. I'm not going to do that. And what I'm saying, the principle I'm trying to say is this, is that don't, don't, don't do that with the world. Stop, stop driving by the sewer. Amen? See how nasty it is. We don't, that, it's nasty. Amen? How many of you think it's nasty? It's nasty. Amen? Yeah. I know the world's sewer is growing and spilling more and more over in, into our lives, spoiling more and more beauty. Innocence is now being spoiled at every level. I understand all that. You know, we came here years ago when we first came here. We used to enjoy going to rodeos. We went to several rodeos, and, and I remember some of them have prayer at the beginning of the rodeo and the national anthem and very patriotic. And it was, it was good, a wholesome family. I remember where we were sitting at a rodeo, and 
The whole world has been confiscated with hell's music, including the church, much of the church. And went to a rodeo, and it was just it was nauseating. And one of the girls was in my arms, and I, I'm like trying to watch a little bit of the rodeo with my hands over my kids. I was like, I, I said, this is it. We haven't been back to rodeo since. That was years ago. We used to like to go to hockey games. And we, we first came years ago. We'd go to a hockey game. It was enjoyable. And uh, nothing untoward about it. And then we'd go to a hockey game one day. And also they got cheerleaders. Well, they call them cheerleaders. They don't cheer. They just dance. That's all they do. And they come right up the aisle. On the steps. I thought, what? We did not come. We, I thought this was supposed to be a sporting event. Not a dance event. So check that off. Can't do that anymore. Went to a couple NBA games when I first came here. That's how I went to ABA, the NBA games. I ain't doing it. We used to go to amusement parks. Now they've got water parks mixed up with amusement parks. You can't go there. It's not decent. You, I, I'm just telling you what my can be. I'll tell you what we came to. I don't want to be around that. And I understand. I mean, many things in the world that used to be wholesome, used to be decent, they're not decent anymore. The world is spilling over into our lives. I understand that. But let me tell you something. I don't need, I don't need to go looking for it. Amen? I don't need to go looking for it. So I walk soberly, serious-minded. I have a real enemy. Don't ever forget that. And he wants to come in the back door. He wants to destroy my family. He wants to destroy yours. But I also walk simply. I walk simply. I, I, I'm not going to be... I, listen, I'm not going to be an expert on the world. Amen? I'm going to be an expert on this book right here. Amen! Next. Walk guard. What did he say in our text? He said, be sober, be vigilant. Be vigilant. That means you're on the lookout. You're watching. You're careful. Adam was given a job in the Garden of Eden. And that was to dress and to keep the garden. By the way, that's where I think Adam failed. Adam failed to keep. That word keep means to protect, like a gatekeeper, a protector, a sentinel, if you will. He was given a job to dress, to make productive to dress the garden, to make it productive, and to keep the garden, to stand guard over the garden. Where was Adam when the serpent tempted his wife, I wonder? He failed at his job to keep the garden. Now, listen, Dad, stand guard. Stand guard. I understand it's harder than it ever has before. Mama, stand guard. Young people, stand guard in your own life. Understand, look at me for just a minute. Listen, somewhere along the line, young people, somewhere along the line, you've got to be the one to say, I'm not going to look. I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to watch. I'm not going to participate. Somewhere along the line, you've got to stand guard in your own life. Put on that whole armor of God uh, so that you may be able to stand, the Bible says. Stand guard around your home. Stand guard around your marriage. Stand guard around your children's innocence. Listen, I know it's spilling over everywhere. It's in the, you can't even go to the grocery store. Uh, uh, but I understand that. But listen, we ought to, we, I, I think about, I think about a, a missionary. And I had uh, several children in a European country. And I remember talking to him. He said, we have a little thing. We said, walk down the road. There's open immodesty. Even worse than here. Open immodesty. Some of those European countries is not unusual for someone to be unclad, and he does, and and his children, to his great great credit, 
were well trained. And he just said, kids, nine o'clock. And that family, all those kids looked this way. Because something indecent was walking down the sidewalk over here. Can, can I tell you something, my dear friend? God's people, we don't stand up. Amen. Stand guard and stand up. Noah wasn't looking for a nuclear bomb to blow up his moral life. He just wanted maybe, I don't know, maybe he just wanted to relax a little bit. I was just a little intoxicated. Maybe it helped me wind down. I just take a few sips. My day will go better. His day didn't end the way he thought it was going to end. Maybe Lot said, okay, I'll take some of that. Uh, both these men, their lives were messed up. Why? Because they started drinking. Maybe Lot said, you know, I just want to wind down. He didn't plan to be the father of two illegitimate sons. Maybe he just wanted to assuage his grief. He just lost his wife. He lost all of his belongings, everything. Financially ruined. His wife is dead. He said, I got a right to. But it turned his world upside down. Walk guard. And lastly, stand up. Stand up. You know what God's people need in this day and age in which we live? The devil's getting more and more. Now, you go to other countries and he's been in your face for a long time. America has been a, 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 a fortress for truth and right for years and years and years. But darkness is encroaching on this nation and we know it. And our nation is moving away from the moral uh, uh, foundations upon which she was built. And that means this, more than ever we're going to have to stand up. We're as God's people. We're going to have to walk hard, but we're going to have to stand up. We need spiritual champions. We need spiritual champions. Young people listening, you are going to have to become spiritual champions. You're, you're going to have to meet the enemy and stand and say, no, I am not going to participate. I am not going to be a part. I am not going to join in. We need some courageous men and women and families and children. Are you ready for the world? I, one of our um, one of our young people came to me, and I, a lot of times I have uh, an appointment with our kids that graduate from high school in the church. I invite them to, not all of them come, but as many, many of them do. And just so I can talk a little bit, find out what their plans are, if they feel like God's given them some direction, and if, uh, if they desire, maybe give them a little guidance. And uh, I asked one of our young people a couple years ago, I said, are you ready? Are you ready for what you're going to face? And I just gave some examples. I said, are you ready? If somebody puts a phone in front of you and says, hey, look at this video. Or somebody kind of pokes fun at you because the way you dress. I mentioned two, three or four things that I thought that our young people would typically face. And by the way, you, you, don't, you don't have to go to Hell State University to find them. You, you can get them at a Christian. You'll find that at a Christian college. Everywhere you go. <laughs> find it at a grocery store. And uh, to, the cre- to the credit of this young person, tears came to their eyes. And very honestly, they said, Pastor, I hope so. Hope so. You know, I was, I, I was pleased at that moment. That was a moment of honesty, I felt like. I need to be ready. I'm not sure I am, but I need to be ready. Young people, let me tell you something. You will face temptation. You will have to take a stand. I remember making a decision. I told you this before. As a, as a young person, and I, I got sneaking around, listening to the wrong kind of music, bought me a tape. And got convicted, threw it away, and bought it again, threw it away, bought it again a third time. Finally threw it away and said, Lord, I'm done. And uh, I remember being tested not long after that, jumped in the car with a friend. They turned the radio on. I was like, ah. I said, hey, would you turn that off? That's my car. I'll listen to what I want to. 
Yeah, but you know, I've made a decision about this. I'm not going to listen to this kind of music. They said, well, that's your decision. It's not mine. I said, okay, you're right. We went one block away from, from the house, one block away to the stop sign. We got to the stop sign. I opened the door. I got out and started walking back home. <laughs> he said, that was courageous. Uh-uh, I was scared to death, quite frankly. But I got halfway down the block, and my friend came by and rolled the window. I'm sorry. I'll turn it off. <laughs> Can I tell you something? Somebody's got to stand. I, I was in a place of business. I, I told part of this. I was in a place of business and uh, and walked in. And I've, I've been going there for years and never, never, never anything like this before. But the music was on. I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. I don't want to come in here and hear this. The world's music is... I don't think people pay any attention whatsoever to what the music of this world is saying. I think they're just so dumbed down by it and so used to hearing they have no idea what it's saying. Disgusting and vile, and it's like nobody thinks... There's people, there's kids. Why why, why is this playing through the speakers? And so I just got up and walked out. And I said, well, I'll find me another place to do business. But I thought, no, I've got a relationship there. I said, I owe it to them to at least explain so I went back and uh, and waited to a time. I wasn't going to embarrass the owner or anything like that. But I, 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 I said something to the owner. And the owner said, hey, I missed you. I said, well, let me tell you why you missed me. And I told him why. I said, I don't want to come in here and listen to that. I said, would you do this for me? I said, when I come in here, would you turn it off? He said, absolutely, Pastor. He said, I'm sorry. I just didn't think about that. And he's very kind about it. I went back this last week. As soon as I walked in the door, the owner went over and turned the music off. Now, I wish he'd leave it off all the time. <laughs> but I thought that was respectful. The Bible said we're supposed to be salt and light. Amen? We took, a, took our kids, a, a ball team, to a ball tournament. We got to a restaurant, sitting down. The music is blaring. I think, I, 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 and I said to him, I said, well, I'm going to have to get up and go, uh, go say something to him about it. And I, and I looked up, and there's Brother Jeff, the coach. Brother Jeff Jarrett, he's over there talking to somebody. I said, I bet I know what he's doing. He walked back to his seat, and about 30 seconds later, boom, the music turned off. Can I tell you something? Listen, don't be ashamed to believe something. I remember standing on the dock at um, overnight transportation, and they blared the music on the dock, and and and... and and I went to my doc supervisor. I said, listen, can, can, do we have to listen to this? And it got a little bit of a cultural war because a couple of guys, several of those guys were in Bible college with me. And, um, and, 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 and so they started bringing their boombox, playing, you know, their Christian music and turning it up. The guy over here, you know, he'd get his Led Zeppelin and turn it up. And so it was like, what in the world? And I went to the doc supervisor. I said, listen, why don't you just turn that thing to talk radio and that way we won't have to have this. And so we had a doc meeting, about 20 guys, and there were more Bible college students on that shift than there were men, just whatever, unsaved men from the world. And the doc supervisor brought up, he said, it's been suggested that instead of all having our individual radios playing whatever we want, we'll just put talk radio through the speakers. How many of you be in favor of that? Man, I shot my hand up, and I turned around and watched some of these boys in Bible college, supposed to be called to ministry, going around looking at like this at each other. I've never been so disgusted in all my life. Hello, how hard is this? It's not like they're going to throw us in a fiery furnace or something. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were far away from home. Listen, they could have done whatever they want to do and nobody back home would have ever known it. 
And they said, when you play that music, we don't bow to your God. And they got thrown in a fiery furnace, and Jesus himself showed up. Amen? When they come out of that fiery furnace, they weren't burning at all. They didn't even smell like smoke, the Bible says. We need some folks that will stand. We've not been called to play a safe distance from this world. We've been called to holiness. We've been called, 1 Corinthians 1, 9, unto fellowship, unto the fellowship of Christ. In Galatians 5, 13, we've been called unto liberty. Know the truth and the truth will set you free. Liberty is the freedom to choose to do what is right. Yes, we're living in a wicked world and it's a sordid world and it's a disgusting world. But we ought to walk soberly, not panic, not ah, what are we going to do? No, sober-minded, serious-minded, temperate, uh, realizing, yes, it's a dangerous world. Yes, it's a wicked wicked world. But we walk simply. We get to know this book. Listen, the more wicked the world gets, the more we ought to know this book right here. Amen. So we shine brighter in this dark world. We ought to walk guard. We ought to walk guard. We ought to be vigilant in our own personal lives. Hey, fellas, listen, guys at work, don't let your, don't let your guard down at work. Don't let your guard down at work. It's some, some foul mouth men you work with want to, want to talk garbage or want to throw the wife under the bus or something like that. Just walk away from that. Walk away from that. Don't be a part of that. Somebody mocks it. What's the matter? You, you never, you never heard this before? Uh, just say, I'm trying not to. Keep on going. I'm not saying condescending. I don't say you have to stand up and thump your Bible and, 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 and preach a sermon to them. Witness to them, amen. If you get a chance to, go ahead. <laughs> I'm, not saying, I'm just saying be salt, be light. We're supposed to influence the world, not let the world influence us, amen. Walk soberly. Walk simply. Wise concerning that which is good. Walk, guard, and then stand up, amen. i got news for you, dear friend. Jesus is coming soon. Let's bow our heads.